We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Continuing our draft in the Superflex tournament over at the FFPC. It is $35 to enter. It is a $50,000 first prize. We are drafting from the 109. Pretty excited as to how this draft has gone so far. Our quarterbacks are Justin Fields, Sam Howell. Our running backs are Christian McCaffrey, Brees Hall, James Cook. Then we have four wide receivers in Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jahan Dodson, and Jordan Addison. We did talk on the last part of the first part of the draft, if that makes sense. The question was going to be, could Quentin Johnson get back to us? We passed on him for Addison playing the ADP game to see if that works out. We'll see if that happens. Since we made that selection of Addison, it's Tyler Lockett, Dalton Schultz, Branton Cooks, Michael Thomas, Michael Pittman, P. Ryan, Brian Robinson, Sky Moore, Devin Achain, and then we have Dalton Kincaid. So we'll see how it plays out over the next kind of five or so selections, how that gets back to us. But there will be options available to us. Sean mentioned Zay Flowers when we were making that last selection as well as a possible option still available trail on works goes in that range and although he is injured is going to miss a couple of weeks of the preseason will still be back obviously as the season progresses and uh yeah that makes makes him potentially a selection here so we'll see when it all comes back who we go for as we wait for our pick to take down here in the 11th round column you've put Cortland sutton into the queue as well i have been pretty off of him with how poorly i'm, I'm going to debate this i'm not sure i did put him into the queue but we'll i'll accept responsibility if that is the, the call okay so probably what happened here is that i misclicked earlier Corton sutland is in the queue column any thoughts there he's not necessarily been a target we love jerry judy and marvin mims but Cortland sutton is a guy who does have a little bit of training camp buzz if that Denver offense really took off, he could be a beneficiary. Once we get into I'll, round I'll hold 11 my hands here, up. I've, I've, I've always had a soft spot for, for Sutton. I will hold my hands up for that. But he isn't somebody this year that I've I've drafted that much of. It isn't hard to paint the picture, you know, the things work out for him. But we talked on a recent show as well about some of these players when they do drop off that little bit. It, it is not usually a case that they bounce back to exactly what we're hoping to get. So... It feels like we might be sliding him into that category, but uh, I still have a little bit of a soft spot, Sean. 
we are one pick away. I'm hoping this doesn't have to come into the conversation. I'm hoping that it's a case that Quentin Johnson doesn't get drafted with this pick, and then we will be very excited. We will. And you look at some of their guys available. Elijah Moore is still here. Traylon Burks went to that drafter in 106, which I think uh, you can point to his team and say that that's a dream draft. Right now, through 11, the players are Joe Burrow, Stephon Diggs, Tony Pollard, T. Higgins, Ramondre Stevenson, Travis Etienne, Drake London, Jimmy Garoppolo, JSN, Brandon Cooks, and Traylon Burks. You know, it's four a very out of the six spot. Yeah, draft, I mean, Sean. that could be our team. So. It's going to be a challenge to beat them. We hope that, you know, just we hope they make a few mistakes, right? Just uh, consider continuing to pass on tight end. You know, maybe that could be a weakness. But we're looking here. The pick was Chigokonkwo. That does move Quentin Johnston to us. Calling this pick is a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. This is a dream. When we pass up on the decision of who to draft in the previous round, why not just draft both of those guys, Sean? That's usually a nice thing to happen. It's perfect. And when you're that far away, it doesn't seem incredibly likely. But as I mentioned, his ADP is before that, and yet it was within the range where I think you do have to have some guts from time to time. We talk about ADP value in these tournaments, and I think it can be overstated what that does for you. You don't want ADP values to take you off of your guys. You don't want ADP values to take you off of the profiles that you know give you tournament winning upside. But if you have another selection that makes sense within your build, and maybe it's a player like Addison where you need to get a little bit of exposure, and the player that you would prefer drafting has a chance to fall to you as opposed to being a full round reach, then that's something you definitely want to consider. It helps you manage your exposures a little bit too when you look at it from that perspective. Because we, while we want a lot of Quentin Johnston, we don't necessarily want a lot of him way above ADP. So again, this has been very exciting in terms of how things have panned out to this point. Elijah Moore still on the board. He's been missing some practices. There have been reports that the Cleveland passing game has looked very poor in training camp. I guess until you have Cooper and Moore in there together, I wouldn't be that worried about it. But the idea that Deshaun Watson is going to simply bounce back when even going back to when he came into the league as a rookie, I mean, there were some warts. You look at Rotodoc's QB model, which didn't like him because of some of the things that were true about his profile. Now, he was somebody who very easily proved the model wrong in his case. And yet you have pass velocity elements with him you have him as a mobile quarterback but we know that mobile quarterbacks as they started to get a little bit older have trouble maintaining some of that you don't know where the cliff is going to be for any individual guy so there's risk there with watson and that risk carries over to amari cooper to elijah moore and elijah moore himself played poorly last season now a lot of that was the offense and the quarterback play he got in 2022 but we want to keep all of those things in mind when we make this decision and probably the other two guys that we're really looking at here seriously would be Cole Komet, the tight end who goes with Justin Fields or a Sam Laporta. Yeah. I feel like this is a tight end spot in terms of, again, as I talked about in the draft, looking back at, you know, the tiers in terms of ADP and how things might play out over the next couple of rounds. This is the zone where Komet and Laporta and Greg Dulcich all go off the board. It would be a little bit of an ADP value on Elijah Moore, but 
the advantage of also being able to pair him up with Justin Fields kind of strikes me here with Cole Komet. And listeners will know how much we are big fans of Laporta and Greg Dulcich as well. But Komet feels like the one that fits in with this roster. And Gerald Everett goes off, which is probably about six picks above his ADP. Nothing outlandish there. But I would be more inclined here, Sean, to, to lean into the tight ends. Um, the only wide receiver really standing out for me would have been Elijah Moore. We'll take him that. And he is a guy that Blair Andrews has put the finger on as a player where his fantasy points over expectation, I believe column that he ranked number three was either number three or number four among all tight ends in that stat last year. It's a stat that helps you find breakout players. One of the things when we talk about fantasy points over expectation, and I think we have a little bit of time here before our next pick that it's worth discussing is you have a lot of these trendy stats and the trendy stats are both fun and meaningful. So this is in no way a shot at any of those things. But when we look at fantasy points over expectation, one of the cool things that it does is grab a bunch of pieces that individually are helpful. And then when you combine them are very helpful in understanding what a player's profile is and what that means in terms of the work that he's likely to get the following season. So when you're talking about fantasy points over expectation for a receiver for a tight end, you're talking about a metric that is going to grab the air yards element where a player whose targets are deeper is going to have more overall volume with the yards that that ball travels in the air. We know that that component can be a mild bump for the player. It captures the catch rate, whether or not the guy is actually able to bring the ball in. It captures his ability after the catch, that yards after the catch that, especially for some specific players, can be just very, very dynamic. You look at someone like a Jamar Chase, someone like a Debo Samuel, two of the biggest impact players in all of fantasy football, and it's that yard after catch element that really separates them. And then it also captures some touchdown rate. And so all of those metrics are elements that Blair has pointed to in his research as also being things that are going to be more helpful to you in predicting fantasy points than ADP, where something like a yards per route, a targets per route are more helpful in actually projecting the ADP. Now, this doesn't say that you look at fantasy points over expectation and just draft those guys blindly. But if you have a good baseline and we all do right that's what adp is for that's why we have some incentive to grab some guys who are adp values when we can but you look at adp there and you think well who would be the players that i might be tempted to prioritize because they have this shot to outperform and these guys with the great fantasy points over expectation numbers are certainly players to at least consider. You want to do your homework on them a little bit more closely than some of the other guys, because if you're fading them, you need to have good reasons for that. So we grab Komet here. We know that there's going to be some target competition. We know that some of his other elements in his profile are weak enough that it's pushed him to the 12th round, right? But once he gets there and you're putting him with Justin Fields and you're thinking about it from a tournament perspective, very clear cut pick. Yeah, and since that, we did see Sam Laporta go to the team in six, Sean, that you mentioned earlier. And if this drafter in six uh, is potentially a listener of the podcast or subscribe to Rotoviz, let us know who you are. Unveil yourself uh, and let us know. But it's a uh, team is looking pretty sharp so far. It is going to be 
nine picks. It's the it's a thirteen oh one here. It's gonna be nine picks to the thirteen oh nine when we make our next selection. But there is always challenges, Sean, when you set out in a draft room and you are at the back end of those drafts. And there's challenges from each spot, obviously throughout the entire board when you get into the the other rounds of the draft. But when the draft order was set for this and I seen that it was the one oh nine, I'm like this is one that we can have a, a bit of fun with. And that obviously takes a lot of things playing out. Justin Fields making it to the ninth spot is one of those things, but then being able to build it out the way we have. I think this is, uh, you mentioned at the start, this tournament being a lot of fun to draft in. It is a lot of fun. This team is a lot of fun. And there is more important things as the season goes along. You want it to be fun at this point, but you want it to also build itself into contention. But with what we've done with the two quarterbacks, two tight ends, we do have three running backs, Sean, and we had talked at the start about you know, the opportunities to draft some of the running backs. There's a few of those that didn't come our way. Swift would have been one of those, for example. But I'm very pleased with how this team is, is going forward. And there is some running backs that will be coming up in these next selections as possible options. We're into an area where we, t- we talked about Dulcich uh, you know, at that last, or I mentioned his name at that last pick. He is still not off the board but i would expect him to be gone by the time it gets back to us but bateman is in the queue but warren is there running back damian harris at running back Rashawn johnson raheem mostert is all potential options in this kind of next part of the zone elijah mitchell is there as well but with christian mccaffrey i'd be less likely to go in that direction any of the running backs really standing out for you um how are you feeling about you know what, what we need to do throughout the rest of the draft there is obviously 20 rounds coming up so lots of time left to to fill this team out but how are you feeling about three running backs through um these opening 12 rounds after what we talked at the start about you know the running backs having that little bit of additional value in this format with the super flex taking up the flex position yeah it's one where you almost wish that you had taken jonathan taylor because some of the wide receiver values that we've gotten have been so perfect and we are still in this area of the draft that probably tilts a little bit to the wide receiver. Now, I love Bateman if he comes back to us here. Huge risk-reward play. Obviously, he has, I don't know if he's dropped down the depth chart, but he's lost the ability certainly to solidify himself as the clear alpha in that offense. It now looks like it's going in the direction of Zay Flowers. And that's even if Bateman stays healthy, which has definitely been an open question as we you know go forward. I think the other name that starts to become pretty interesting because he's been punished in this draft more than I'm used to seeing would be a Kadarius Tony. I'm more or less completely out on Tony. And yet once you get to this price, I think that the upside there. It is pretty interesting because he's going to be the wide receiver six. If we were to add him, you don't necessarily need him to score early. You don't need him to be a big factor in the first six weeks or so. When you think about you know, who could give you that upside to win the tournament in week 17, because you're going to lose some of your other guys. I mean, one of the things that was so crazy, right? We finished 17 out of the 33 teams, despite the fact that that five players we drafted in the first five rounds did not factor into our lineup for that week so you're going to need some real depth in most cases to get all the way through now tony does go there two picks ahead of us he doesn't quite make it the dulcich slide is interesting he's been one of the massive fallers because it's become clear that he's not the starting tight end in denver which i mean that does a lot of damage to how people are looking at your fantasy profile and yet 
you <laughs> are in all likelihood still going to have enough of a receiving role, going to get enough routes. And as the season evolves, you would really expect the Broncos to go in a different way. So I'm not married to the Dulcich pick here. And yet I think it is a viable way to play it. We could also grab a Jamison Williams, which with the value that he could bring in the second half of the season, again, because the team is built so well to this point, it does give us quite a bit of flexibility in terms of going best player available and stashing some guys for the playoff run. Yeah, it would give you that option. The other player, Sean, Damian Harris would be the running back that I would be interested in here. Have you much interest in him or Johnson? I think that the play here is, is Dolce. It's even as things stand, his ADP over the last like four or five days has been the the twelve oh one, and we're here at the you know late thirteenth round. I think that makes too much sense. And you're looking to win a tournament, and I I, th- I think him going. You know, if we look through the players, you know, I'm hoping Luke, Luke Musgrave is a hit for the Packers, and there has been positive reports. But goes after Musgrave, goes after John Johnson, Herb Smith. Okay, we'll say it's fair to go after Laporta, but you know, Gerald Everett, Sean, who is one of the guys that we have liked in recent years. But I, I, I don't make in a tight end premium format in the thirteenth round. I, I think the upside is too high to not be factoring him into things here with that decision. I, I think it would have been a mistake to pass up on him. Yeah, and partly we have a lot of exposure, and so we want that to be the case. And yet the flip side of it is that sometimes when your original thesis doesn't pan out, but the player is punished so severely in price that now you're actually even getting a better price to thesis <laughs> ratio than you were originally, you've got to con- Maybe it's just the Denver Broncos... Noah Fant helped us come second, Sean, a couple of years ago in the the main tournament over at the FFPC. But it was a case that throughout the season that was kind of frustrating with the Denver Broncos tight ends. Last year, Alberto had his issues. Maybe it's just whoever the fantasy landscape wants to be the tight end one in, in Denver just can't work out. We've got a different coaching staff in place now. So I think this lack of competency is going to be cured. Now, you say that, and you're staring at Adam Troutman as their potential starting tight end. So there are still some things that we're dealing with. But again, the overall price context for the tight ends is pretty crazy. I mean, you have Gerald Everett at tight end 15. You think about what he did last year, and now Quentin Johnston is on the team as well. I don't understand that at all. Juwan Johnson is, I mean, just a guy. Dawson Knox is a touchdown play, which can work, and it can work especially in best ball, but we're talking again about the value of these guys in tight end premium. Dulcich's price within the environment that the rest of these guys are going in, I think is really favorable for us, and I would make that claim even if it doesn't work out. You're going to have to take some calculated risks as opposed to full floor plays I, I don't understand the tight end floor plays in these formats even though part of what you're seeing in the roster construction explorer where drafting so many tight ends is a winning strategy for you yeah is at least hinting at the fact that some floor does help but again you're trying to find guys who are going to fit into the starting lineup your backup tight ends in order to do that are going to need to score some points right so even when we look back to this idea of how are you feeling the super flex you want the upside to be able to have that guy to work in any given position 
you just need better players there. So, Colin, we're back on the clock here. We have 30 seconds. We didn't get Kadarius Tony. With that being the case, I think it's time to take a risk on a Chiefs receiver. I like Rasheed Rice. Is there somebody else that you're seeing that we should also discuss? No, it'll be Rice or back to the two running back conversations. I didn't ask you that. Get you to answer with Harris and Johnson. Are you taking Rice over those guys? I think he's you know, at least a tier, if not a couple tiers ahead for me. Damian Harris, especially after we already have James Cook, I don't think is the direction that I like to go. My read on this, and I've liked Damian Harris in the past, so this isn't anything where I'm massively selling Harris as a talent, although his season last year was pretty disastrous. It's simply that James Cook looks like he's going to be the guy. In some of the drafts I'll, that I've I'll hold been my in, hands up. I had, I had forgot we had the James Cook pick when I, when I was making that pitch. Well, and there's still some possibility that playing those two guys together would work or would give you a little bit of a floor. I think when we get Cook at the price we got him here, where it was after players like, I mean, he shouldn't be going behind Rashad White. That is, that's pretty clear cut, right? You shouldn't be going behind Dalvin Cook, who is a backup. You shouldn't be going behind Miles Sanders, who is, not just a guy he, he's an elite pre-contact runner but the carolina offense is not going to be nearly as favorable for him and he has chuba hubbard behind him he shouldn't be going behind miles sanders he shouldn't be going behind david montgomery although montgomery is somebody who does appear to be rising in some of these drafts the detroit offense is a target for a lot of fantasy managers at this point they're generating some pretty serious buzz and david montgomery is a guy who, I mean, he's a big upgrade on Jamal Williams, right? So if you just take what Jamal Williams did last year and you know try and project yourself ahead a little bit, understand obviously he's not going to get that many goal line touches. But I mean, he's a guy who could lead the NFL in touchdown. So even though I certainly don't have it that way in my rankings, I wouldn't do it myself. I think you can make a better pitch for David Montgomery than some of those other guys. But you have almost a full round and a half of running backs who should not have gone ahead of James Cook. And in a lot of leagues, those players are not now. So when you do get a shot at Cook at that level, I mean, you're going to sprint to the podium and make that choice. Roshan is interesting because he probably is the third string guy. He probably is someone who's not going to help you a lot early. The thing that's tricky about it is I do think that you can take Herbert because he's a dynamic runner. I mean, the thing with Justin Fields and how the rushing quarterback helps you covers up a little bit just how good he was even the previous year i mean khalil herbert is a plus runner at the nfl level and he's the established starter he's probably undervalued although again in this draft he goes right after Jahan dotson that's you know not anything where you're gonna jump out of your shoes and say we have to take him there but you like herbert foreman appears to be in the mix he's the cheapest of the three for Roshan, he probably needs two injuries to really go off and win leagues for you. If he just gets one or if he pushes himself up the depth chart a spot, then he does help. And so I think you do want him on some of your teams. You're just going to want to be pretty price sensitive there. Even if everybody stays healthy, I think that Roshan maybe even has like the tiny edge to be the week 17 starter. Once we get into rounds 14, 15, 16, the week 17 starter is a pretty big deal, right? So if he were to come back around, I like him. I think that you know, Darnell Mooney is a very interesting play going with Justin Fields giving you a little bit more of that. 
Tyshay Spears, someone I'm drafting everywhere, is a mere white, an interesting play with Josh Jacobs holding out. Kendra, even with this most recent injury, once you get to this point in a draft, I think you want to take some big swings. So, Colin, we've pushed running back a long way at this point. We've selected six consecutive players without selecting a back. I do think we're going to have some good choices in the final six rounds. Yeah, we're kind of getting into our zero RB territory here, Sean. So it'll be, and and that's the other thing with it being super flex. It is, you know, those players that you're hoping to usually get in the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth round, they are going in the you know fifteenth through seventeenth round. <laughs> the eighteenth round, Sean, is is not the prettiest thing to look at in terms of ADP um, when we get into these drafts as well. But we'll see how it plays out. And this is a range as well where I think we're set up here for a two quarterback build i think a lot of the guys that go in this range are wasted picks and i think that will be proven to be the case but we do see when Jameis winston goes we have in round 17 18 19 and 20 there is three to four quarterbacks going in all of those rounds so that should free up some opportunities just out of interest sean is there anybody that's going in those later rounds of, of any interest to you there's there's not really anything stand out to me like you know for example you could take a chance on somebody like kyle trask you know that he beats out baker mayfield or he gets the job throughout the year but the the rest of the picks there are very limited that they're unlikely to get in there ahead of the the starter even somebody like a gardner Minshew who we thought might have started the season that's not gonna be the case now either so i don't see anyone of real value here unless trey lance makes a remarkable recovery <laughs> How, how are you feeling about these quarterbacks? Any interest of any kind? I think that you can take Gardner Minshew in round 20 if you have nobody else that you like at that point. Otherwise, going with the two QBs and assuming that your other players, players like a Christian McCaffrey or Brees Hall, that those guys can feed into the super flex occasionally. Certainly, players like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, if they do what we're expecting them to do, they can occasionally be in that spot because you have wide receiver depth filling in behind them. We've made it back around. We have a, sort of a surprising player here as the top player available by adp that's tank bigsby and when you look at where travis Etienne went in this draft you get a little bit of a sense of the bigsby buzz and how terrified people now appear to be with etn i'm very very strongly on the etn bandwagon column and yet once you get to this point in the draft it seems pretty clear-cut actually to take bigsby and get that potential upside should anything happen to etn you're probably going to get some touchdowns you're probably going to get some receptions he would be the pick for me and get a little bit of that adp value yeah 100 he usually is going in drafts at the uh, mid 12th round um 1207 kind of range that last pick that we made is at the 1509 so that is quite a significant drop off there which is surprising sean based on the buzz that is obviously you know going around for him there's kind of a, a camp that's on the etn side and then there's the bigsby side which seems to be getting more more and more noise but um yeah i'm a little bit surprised to there's there's always when these things happen during the drafts what i do is i go in and google just to make sure there hasn't been some sort of injury news or that but nothing that i could find before we made that selection so kind of it, it, we're hoping sean it's not a pick that's going to balance out the etn exposure that we have but i think it made sense at that particular point off the the draft curtis samuel did go one selection ahead of that would he have been somebody that would have been in the mix there over big spear is that just too much of a, a drop down to to let it roll past i think it's too much 
of a value to let go by. And I don't know that we need Samuel here. One of the weird things that has now happened in this draft is that the managers appear to have panicked and are taking a bunch of very low end wide receivers. Wide receivers yeah. And I'm so, I mean, all of the best picks on the board other than Marvin Mims are running backs. I mean, I still might even be a little tempted to take Mims here, but I, I, I mean, Taijay is probably my highest roster player across all formats. I think that he's a good pick here. He's the number two player by ADP. Roshan is the number one player and obviously fits our team. Do you have a preference between those two guys? Roshan, again, is a, a better ADP value, but I'm drafting both of these guys. I've made the pitch for, I've mentioned Johnson, I think four picks in a row here, but uh, I, I'm good to go with, with Spears as well. I'm happy with either of either of those guys. Okay, so we'll go and ahead and just click the, on the question Roshan on, on, again. Oh, you, you did take Roshan. So I was going to ask the question, uh, as I thought you were going to draft Spears, um, with having Fields and him being a Russian quarterback, any concerns with having a running back in that offense as well, or happy to just take all the Russian work if it does get that way? I think that you're looking for the best players. I think that when you are looking from a full season perspective, and the first thing that we have to do is win this league, and already – you know, we see, again, this drafter in six. I mean, they made the first uh, a little bit surprising pick to me when they drafted Hayden Hurst in the 14th, but they come back with Zamir White in 15. That's going to be a tough team to defeat. Now, two of the 12 advance. The other rosters are also going to have lots of interesting, dynamic things going on. So it's not like it's us against one other team. It's just there's a, a draft that is jumping out to us as being a good draft. Roshan balancing with fields and potentially giving you number one, the elite rushing efficiency, giving you balance within the weeks where if maybe it's a down week for fields, you're going to have a lot of rushing scores from the running backs in that week. Now, again, the reason that, you know, I argued for passing on him the first couple of times is that I don't know that he necessarily is the guy who benefits from that. So that would be the other part that we're looking at, but I do like him once he gets to that price and it was a situation in this draft where Deontay Foreman went before him now I don't think that's necessarily wrong either Deontay Foreman is the last running back that we selected recently on that ship chasing draft and he's someone who is very very talented in his own right probably ahead of Johnson a little bit one of the things that we've heard for Johnson is that the pass blocking could be one of the elements that gets him out there on the field you don't necessarily uh associate that with rookies right away but johnson's flexibility as a back i think probably is going to give him the edge over foreman relatively quickly and just to pull it up again i know i've mentioned a few of the the values here at these running back picks but you mentioned some of the wide receivers kind of being pulled up here a little bit into the 14th and 15th round in these last two sets of selections but Johnson is by ADP again the 1401, and that there pick that we take him at is the 1604. So that that's it's interesting just to see, you know, and it could just be people are getting spooked by some preseason action or some reports that they've seen, but both of those guys at multiple round discounts is a little bit strange at this particular juncture. Makes me question: Have we missed something? Well, Colin, you are on the google machine over there so i thought you were going to say i'm on, on twitter uh because we can't i don't know i always wondered does sean have a you know, secret back door entrance secret where he's, where he's checking out the, yeah. yeah 
but that's, that's always that's a good question isn't it i did get a i did get an email sean recently asking would it be possible to you know set up a kind of charity event where people could bid and the highest bidder would get a tweet from sean siegel once a year there there are some things we'll have to look at so <laughs> i don't want to put them under pressure here but I, I did enjoy that. I enjoy a lot of the interaction we get from the listeners, but that one did, uh, did tickle me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So Colin, as we look through these last couple of rounds, just to to put some names with it, round 15. At wide receiver, you've got Darnell Mooney, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Adam Thielen, Justin Ross, DJ Chark, Curtis Samuel, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Van Jefferson. Peoples-Jones, Thielen, MVS, those guys I would say are almost completely undraftable. Now, MVS is a potential starter with Patrick Mahomes. Maybe you're going to get some spike weeks, and yet... One of the stats that's been very trendy recently and I think is a lot of fun, Blair Andrews is going to have a piece looking at some of the elements from ESPN's open score. And I think the conclusion that he's going to draw is that while it is very interesting, these things are you know, pretty fully accounted for in how fantasy managers are looking at drafts. But it did jump out to me that MVS is I mean, is a vertical threat. I think that sometimes those guys get hurt in the score because what they're being asked to do on a huge number of snaps is simply to run vertically and stretch the defense. But his open score was incredibly low, which does jibe with our experience of watching the Kansas City Chiefs last year where he just was not involved in the games. There was one game, had a big game, came through, came through at a key moment for Kansas City. I'm sure they're thinking about that a little bit as they build their game plans for this season. They have unproven players in Rice and Ross. And even I think you you have to include Sky Moore in that group. And so the veteran presence does mean something to them. But, But that entire group, I think, is very tough to make an argument for. And then you wrap back around into 16, you see Isaiah Hodgins, McCall Hardman, Jonathan Mingo. 
again, especially in this format where the wide receivers are not quite as important, I would question whether those guys are. Sean, we are now in the 17th round as we move on through. We will have 17, 18, 19, 20. So there's four picks left to go. We have two quarterbacks. We have three tight ends so far. At running back, we are now up to five with Christian McCaffrey, Brees Hall, James Cook, Tanks, Bigsby, and Roshan Johnson. And then we have our wide receiver set at six with Wilson, Olave, Dotson, Addison, Quinton Johnson, Rasheed Rice. So we have three tight ends, Sean. You did mention at the start about the volume being part of the thing that will show up in the roster construction explorer. Are we looking here as we move forward with those four selections? Is there anything standing out for you in the RC that we might want to do here obviously we want to get the best players that we can draft but is there anything else standing out in terms of the overall roster construction well we do want to get to at least four right you have a relatively small sample with the specific build that we have where it's the qb1 in the first couple of rounds and then the qb2 after six but with that you have very good win rates overall which is one of the reasons why we're doing it but then with three tight ends a 13 percent win rate with four tight ends 19 percent win rate i mean you, you've got to get to four here i don't think that will be a problem and in a bigger sample i wouldn't expect you know that kind of crazy result going forward but it's very clear cut that these guys are weapons when we're looking at this super flex format yeah i was i was hoping that we might get into a conversation about trey mcbride he does not make it to us goes a few picks before marvin mims who sean was somebody you mentioned about potentially pulling the trigger at the last pick he has made it back to us so i feel like there probably isn't much need to have any conversation here well mims is is a good pick we we do have some other players who are great values i think that taking jerome ford here he's the second <laughs> highest player by adp i don't know if he comes back and he's a good fit for the team that we have built michael mayer it's interesting to see austin hooper go there i wouldn't be worried about him at all this is again one of those elements a little bit with the dulcich pick where you have to be cognizant of what early season depth charts really mean but yeah i mean mims here for our final wide receiver i think you like that bet yeah, I think uh, I I thought you were just going to say yeah, that's the pick. Um, Ford is is interesting. I think there's some other options that may get back to us, but he may get back. The other one that you mentioned there is Mayer. I, obviously, there's six picks to go before it gets back to us. I would hope that Ford or Mayer become a, available for us when it when it gets back there. It is a zone now when you get into these last three selections that if there is players that you really want to get on your team, you know you you can say it's reaching, but I think it's you know go and get them at this particular point ty chandler goes in this range as well sean zach evans but i i think there's there's multiple options here for us at a tight end mayor is one later on logan thomas would fit in Noah fant could potentially fit in here as well deuce vaughn was somebody i had added to the list he goes off the board two picks after us let's see how it plays out around the turn here sean but ha- have you forward strongly ahead of Chandler and Zach Evans at this particular point I do Zach Evans is somebody that I want to keep a really close eye on but I'm thinking that he's going to end up being a lot more of a regular season waiver wire pick as opposed to a guy that we can comfortably fit into 
a best ball lineup. The Evans situation is one where you can just put a hole in your team for the entire season. Now, we're late enough in the draft that any of these guys could be, but when you look at where Marvin Mims was drafted, when you look at where Michael Mayer was drafted, when you look at the role that the Cleveland Browns have intended for Jerome Ford, to be this late in the draft and to have some guys like that is yeah again just something that you don't want to miss it was interesting because we just got both of those players auto picked yeah at the turn i don't know if that drafter had to leave and is going to get those two fantastic values you know sometimes the auto picker does a good job yeah i think that could be what happened they've picked every single pick throughout the draft and sometimes it can happen sean i remember i believe your story is about an internet connection issue or it was a guy that was out killing a snake outside his house or something like that i believe the story was but these things can happen and, and you can go on auto draft and especially when you're at the turn going auto draft once and the two selections are made so we miss out on both of those guys that we were hoping that would get back to us and looking through the options i mentioned fan he kind of goes in this one the other thing i wanted to mention sean is I, i've noticed this in a lot of drafts depending on the draft room you're in rookies even versus adp and what will show up for people who are drafting in the FFPC here, for example, people are a little bit afraid, I think, to, to draft them and, you know, are letting them fall a lot further than they should. That Marvin Mims pick is another one, usually goes um, in the late 15th round. He went to us in the, the late 17th round. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're picking up these two round discounts, but we missed out on another two round discount with Jerome Ford going off the board. Ty Chandler, Sean, at the top of the queue, Noah Fant goes in this range. We're looking at options that would, you know, fill out the team. You did say when we took Mims about that being our last wide receiver. Are you strong on that? The, there's only really one wide receiver I would be looking at over these next couple of rounds, and, and that is Jalen Hyatt. But do you think we're we're locked in here? That was our last wide receiver at Mims. No, I mean, if we get to these final two rounds and it's really clear cut that. Hyatt is the best play. You just want to keep going best player available. We do have some deep tight ends. That I think we like more than the community. And certainly with Logan Thomas fitting with Sam Howell, I think that that's the perfect final pick for us and say final, you know, 1921 of those two, we have the threat still of a free agent landing in Minnesota, but Ty Chandler was again, one of the outperformers in the preseason. He was fantastic in the preseason as a rookie he seems like the guy here who could have the biggest impact. He is also one of the couple biggest values by ADP. Go that route. Yeah, there's nobody else standing out for me. We, we did. It was an approach at that last pick that we had, Sean, when we took Mems. It felt like we have a bunch of options, but they, they all disappeared very quickly. So two picks left to go. I think it's a, at least one tight end. We'll see if Hyatt gets into the mix. What is the... Uh, RC saying about a uh, five tight end build. We're going to have to change the parameters a little bit here. But if we just clear it completely out, it doesn't necessarily like five tight ends for this. But again, the sample is very small. In the regular tournament, I've mentioned that it does like five tight end. Again, one of the elements is going to be a little bit different between this and the normal tournament is just that you've got to try and fill that super flex spot. Now, Logan Thomas goes here at 1808. 
So that is a disappointment. I think it's a good pick. I think it's a good pick. We had the drafter in six was the one who took Trey McBride, so that perhaps that isn't a surprise. He does come back with Gus Edwards that I'm a little bit uncertain as to where the buzz for him is coming. Now, we're late enough in the draft that anybody who's going to see the field is a viable selection. He comes after Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who still seems to me to be a potential cut candidate and maybe being cut would actually help his fantasy value. But the player who's really standing out in Ravens camp is Keaton Mitchell. Now that guy is really small. And if you are a rookie that the team didn't invest in from a draft perspective, you're a tiny guy at the running back position, you know, how much should we really pay attention to that? But Mitchell is one of these guys who had a crazy prospect profile. And so if you're looking at somebody who probably, you know, was vastly, undervalued by nfl gms and we're already seeing that anytime that someone is that good and you think of philip Lindsay, for example a very small back undirected free agent goes out and has a couple of i believe 1000 yard seasons mitchell would kind of be the next guy in that range for me he's probably going to make his way onto the zero rb candidates watch list at the very least and I don't think anybody other than J.K. Dobbins is going to have fantasy value there. I think Dobbins is going to be that dynamic and take that high a percentage of the touches. But if there is more value, I mean, maybe it's just the, the optimistic streak in me or this desire to see undervalued players who are great collegiate players like, get appreciated. But I think that Mitchell is somebody that anybody who's looking for really deep options for their dynasty leagues or they're in a strange format, or you just like to be kind of ahead of the curve in terms of thinking through who the next fashionable guy could be, Keaton Mitchell, someone to keep an eye on. So we do miss out on Logan Thomas. Since our last pick, it was Chandler, Edwards, Lair, Shepard, Gus Edwards, who you mentioned, Logan Thomas, Kate Otten, Joshua Kelly. Darius Slayton, Rashid Shahid, and Sam Darnold has just gone off the board. Seven picks till we pick again, Sean. Obviously, we want to get that next additional tight end in one of these next two selections. Top of the list here, kind of for me, would be, be Noah Fant. Just to read through by ADP, some of the options, Isaiah Likely, Noah Fant, Jelani Woods, Adam Troutman, Darnell Washington, Noah Gray, Daniel Bellinger. It's a limited field of tight ends that we're we're looking at here. We have taken um, Cole Komet so far, Robert Tonyan, former Packer now with the Bears. He is, he's a deep, 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 way, way, way down. If you scroll down far enough, you can find him. But Sean, there's there's not really many options here that I'm excited about outside of Noah Fant. Any excitement for the likes of a Jelani Woods? I think the picture there is too obscured right now to feel comfortable with that. You have a decent receiver core, and then you have the rookie quarterback who probably is not going to be a pass-oriented type of player. We look at Noah Fant. It, I guess I'm concerned that they didn't use him very much last year, and now JSN is also in the mix. And so his outlook to me seems again very cloudy you could draft somebody who basically doesn't play of course you're contrasting that with other guys who are fairly far down when you look up the situation there 
people covering Seattle talking about how he's finally healthy and this is the kind of breakout potential season or it's the season where he's going to either do it or not. I don't think that that comes as a surprise to people. So you have some other interesting names. I think that Darnell Washington has been so dynamic as a rookie in Steelers camp that you might look at him a little bit. I mean, the thing with Fant is perhaps for me, just the bloom is off the rose he has become a boring pick to me whereas last year he was an exciting pick and sometimes the post hype guys really are the guys to play and you know it's, it's once you've kind of given up that there's value there because everybody else has given up too right well, so last year we had the seahawk in the 20th round that was geno smith the 19th round for a seattle seahawk and Noah Fant. maybe even we'll hold out to the 20th round and see what happens and um, we yeah, are I one pick away but I think so we, we can push up. him through column. It does come back to receiver. I think for me here, looking at the running backs, the guys available, Patterson, Kyron Williams, Prince Evans. We talked about strong, obviously now a little bit buried, you know, Evan Hall. It, I think that we're set. I think that we're okay at that spot. So then if we're looking at receivers, the two guys for me would be Jalen Hyatt, somebody we like a lot or chase Claypool, someone who gives us that extra little, play with our quarterback and a play where i mean yeah things seem fairly bleak for claypool at this point but as a rookie this guy was an absolute star you're talking about in the 19th round with our quarterback with that week 17 possibility do you lean that direction or do you lean hyatt yeah i think i think if it was a one-off i would draft hyatt but i think you know if we want to go with the stacking option i think it makes sense that we're having that kind of rise and ship lifting. I'm doing a lot of analogies here, Sean, on this show, and I don't think of any of them make any sense, but um, we'll go all in on the Bears here. Very nice. Very nice. For you, is it, uh, you know, Hyatt versus Claypool one for one? Are you drafting Hyatt over Claypool if it isn't a Chicago team here? Okay, that's that's kind of what mine would have been too, but I think it makes sense in the, the tiebreaker. And that, that stretch as a rookie, Sean, was... You know, it looked like it was ready for takeoff for a historic career here for Chase Claypool, but it obviously didn't turn out that way in Pittsburgh. And especially when there seems to be sort of a discipline element, I think once a guy starts to fall, you're expecting him to continue to slide and probably not resurrect his NFL career. But we don't want to go out and say that that's impossible by any stretch. right? When you are that kind of physical presence and you have a quarterback who profiles as an elite deep ball thrower, you could be the jump ball threat for the team. And they obviously have Mooney who gets deep very well also. But that's one of the reasons why we have taken Justin Fields in the first place is that they've added the weapons around him to where it won't just be rushing this year. I think that Justin Fields has a lot better chance to get hurt than the guys who were selected ahead of him. I think that he has a lower floor than the players selected ahead of him. I think he has the ceiling to challenge Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes to be the QB1 this season. Bold, 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 bold statement, but uh, we'll see how it plays out as the season goes on. I think there's no doubt that if he stays healthy for an entire season, the upside is is just enormous. And we've seen flashes of that last year. I'm not expecting 50-yard rushing touchdowns from him on a weekly basis, but the the upside of fields, I think, is is undoubted. It's just whether we get to see it at that particular point after we take claypool it is isaiah likely then carter l patterson then trey lance after that then as i 
scroll down the board here. Noah Fanchon does go two picks before us. Kyron Williams went off the board before that. So one pick before it gets back to us. At this point, it, for me, it feels like we're not we're not getting a fourth tight end here. Um, Hyatt would be an option. Zach Evans, you mentioned earlier, Gardner Minshew is a potential option. Hit me with your thoughts. We don't yeah, have to I'm very the- willing to take Hyatt. He seems like the player here who, in a vacuum, you say round 15, round 16, who would make sense there? Probably Jalen Hyatt does. If you get him in round 20, even if he's not the position you necessarily were targeting, I mean, you have to take the best player values when you get late in the draft. You have to pick guys who have a legitimate opportunity to score points for you. I mean, again, Zach Evans, I like, I, I loved him as a prospect. And there aren't too many situations that are a lot better with the Rams having such a weak running back depth chart. And yet, I guess I don't feel comfortable yet with where he went in the reality draft and what has happened so far in camp to say that he has followed through on that thesis to the point where we're suddenly going to pick him. And there are guys here I like. I mean, Sean Tucker, another player where I think he's dramatically undervalued. You know, maybe you look at him if you need a last round running back. I think that Travion Williams, because he got dinged up, is now not being selected at all, where he's probably still. <laughs> someone who should be going in rounds 15 or 16 but it would be hard for me to not take the upside of a jalen hyatt right here it, it just again it feels like you're getting a five or six round value yeah let's do it and i i know you know in terms of where you would be ranking them it is a five or six round value but even by adp it's another player who usually goes in the 18th round going in the 20th round so it feels like in the back half of this draft sean we've had a lot of players who have fallen down to us and we have missed out on some of our you know priority targets that i, I would like to get on this roster the likes of a, a trey mcbride for example um a couple of other players that we we talked as we went through you know hubbard would have been interesting to get back to us on this roster jerome ford was one we talked about michael mayer was another one we talked about but realistically we i feel like we have had quite a good bit of fortune in terms of the players that have been available to us throughout this entire draft and i'm i'm very excited with what we've been able to produce so i'll go through it first as round by round then we'll go through it as a team but it was justin fields christian mccaffrey Gard wilson chris olavi Brees hall kyle pitts sam howell james cook jahan dodson jordan addison quentin johnson cole Komet, greg dosage rasheed rice tanks bigsby then we get into Roshan Johnson, Marvin Mims, Ty Chandler, Chase Claypool, and Jalen Hyatt. So that gives us Justin Fields and Sam Howell, just the two quarterbacks in this build. We have six running backs and Christian McCaffrey, Brees Hall, Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson, and Ty Chandler. And then at tight end, it is Kyle Pitts, Cole Komet, and Dulcich with Garrett Wilson, Olave, Jahan Dodson, Jordan Addison, Quinton Johnson, Rasheed Rice, Marvin Mims, Chase Claypool, and Jalen Hyatt. And Sean, as we look through this roster, we love to get those young players in, the first and second year players in particular. This roster is as rookie, 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 rookie. We have we have really loaded up here in first and second year players. Outside of we have you know Christian McCaffrey's in there, Kyle Pitts is entering his third season. Uh, you know Sam Howell is entering his second season, pretty much a rookie. But looking through it. Cole Komet is, is one of the real veterans. And you mentioned Claypool. Obviously, he fits that category as well. But this is a, this is a young, young, young team with extreme upside. And we don't have any guys who are old, which I always like. 
I do think that the balance in age and experience in the first 10 rounds is very nice. One of the things you're looking to do when you're selecting the rookies is just to make sure you're not so enthusiastic that you're paying prices that don't make sense. Because once you do that, not only do you have the natural risk of the player being a rookie, but you've drafted him at a level that squeezes out some of the upside. But to get Quentin Johnston at that value, to get guys like Rasheed Rice, Tank Bigsby, Roshan, Mims, Jalen Hyatt, to get those guys at values that were, in many cases, fairly extreme, I think mitigates the risk seeds the team with a lot of upside and again you look at the roster construction explorer the win rate's extremely high for this specific build it's the reason that we went about it in the first place but column we also want to understand that past seasons are not going to be a perfect template for what's going to happen this year but one of the reasons that we like this build and one of the reasons that the roster construction explorer is so valuable is that it helps you kind of test your intuition and work through the logic. I think that there are a lot of different individual seasons and a lot of different shapes to positional scoring that work well with this team that we've drafted. This isn't a everything has to work perfectly type of team. That's what you're looking to do in Superflex where you have so much flexibility in build. This has been a lot of fun. I'm excited to see what happens with it. And again, like I pitched at the start, I would encourage Rotoviz listeners to continue to consider this format because it is so much fun. And I would still consider it the most exploitable format out there. So when you have a $35 format with a $50,000 grand prize and people are not playing it very efficiently, yeah, th- those are the three things you want, right? Fun and expensiveness inefficient drafting it's perfect for you <laughs> if you can find inefficient drafting from the other drafters and you draft efficiently that is always a positive sign and Colin, i just wanted to reiterate again we're running the contest to win a draft in the fantasy pros ffpc 350 dollars entry the entry will be on me we will split the one million dollars when we win so that's half a million to you half a million to me I'm looking for someone who probably is interested in at least maybe writing a little bit about it for the site, but that is not a requirement. The way you get entered, leave a rating, leave a review for us, something that gives potential listeners a sense of what your experience has been here. Anything that has kind of piqued your interest, changed the way that you look at fantasy football, led to a fantasy title, all of those things are great to get in the reviews. To help us with the algorithm, even if you don't actually care about drafting a team with me, leave us a rating and review. It helps the show. We know you guys have done so much of that in the past. I appreciate that so much. The Rotoviz Overtime community, I think, is just so singular within the entire landscape of fantasy football podcasts. I am interested, Sean. I could, we it may be they may have no connection at all or never listened to a Rotoviz podcast or never read anything on Rotoviz, but the team out of six is also the only team to go with the two quarterbacks. And I am interested to see who that is. So we'll I'll tweet out this team and if they haven't seen it on Twitter, we'll see if anyone comes forward. It is runs and guns five is the name of the team. So shout out to whoever that is. But Sean, I'm, I'm excited for this team. We'll probably do a few more of these as we move forward, but really fun format. I highlight everything that Sean said there about it. 
but enjoyed this here. So we'll track this team throughout the season. Hopefully we'll make another run at the finals. We've had quite a bit of fun in this tournament over the last couple of seasons, so we'll see what happens. But we'll have more FFPC drafting, more underdog drafting, lots of stuff coming your way over the next couple of weeks before the NFL season, so we're excited to bring all that to you. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Martin. My co-host is Sean Siegel. You can find all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. And as a final plug, as we end the show, we talked today a little bit about the Roster Construction Explorer, how to build teams, how things would look, and also the range of outcomes tool up on the website. I talked about the tutorial that is on YouTube from Dave Cabin. They're available on rotoviz.com. If you want to use those tools, if you want to sign up, get access to Sean's rankings, Blair's rankings, and all the other content and tools up on rotoviz.com, use the promo code RVRADIO2023 at checkout to get yourself a 10% discount off a Rotoviz NFL pass. Perfect time to join now ahead of draft season. Get yourself set up to be an efficient drafter, Sean. That's what we'll say. But uh, until we are back with the next show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.